Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Another Sunday perspective show, and if you're listening to this as a as a regular listener, kind of a you know when the show comes out, listener, you're probably listening to this uh, the week of KubeCon, KubeCon uh, North America up in Detroit. Uh, if you're traveling to KubeCon, uh, we'd love to, to you know if you if you see Aaron and I, come by, say hi. Uh, love to meet folks in person. Gosh, it's been so long since we've been at an event. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll be heading out to KubeCon. Uh, probably be I'm heading out Sunday. I'll be up there Sunday through Thursday. So hopefully, I get a chance to meet some folks in person. Um, today, I want to talk about uh, you know something that we covered early in the year um, as a you know kind of a look ahead as a trend that was happening and then I saw kind of a buzz that happened a little bit uh, on on the Twitters and on the in, the in the technology world and that is super clouds uh, we talked with uh, our friend Dave Vellante about super clouds earlier in the year um, their organization Wikibon who's also part of Silicon uh, Silicon Angle Media Silicon Angle yeah Silicon, Silicon Angle Media who also runs the Cube and all those good things um, you know had an event uh, over the summer uh, talking about SuperCloud and uh, kind of a lot of blowback about it and I thought well you know let's let's dig into it a little bit let's dig into what some of the complaints are and um, you know what what's been going on with it because Dave and the team has been working very hard to sort of try and suss out what they think is a new idea and I think there is um, a lot of merit to the idea um, Dave somebody who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Um, if you don't know Dave, um, Dave's somebody who's, who's been around the industry for quite a while. Um, and, you know, for, for all the sort of hype that happens in our industry and people who, um, you know, maybe aren't qualified to talk about a lot of things or sort of, you know, want to make big proclamations without any real data. Dave's somebody who, you know, is a sort of a data centric person at heart and, uh, you know, has been really trying to, to build a concept around this and not sort of just build it from scratch, but because there is, there are a bunch of real examples of this concept that, that he calls super cloud or Wikibon calls super cloud. But I think there's, I think there's, uh, there's some interesting discussions to have around it. I think, um, you know, there's some nuance in there that maybe kind of get lost in the naming of things. And uh, so I thought what I would do in today's Sunday perspective is kind of dig a little bit deeper into, um, you know, kind of this evolution of what is or isn't uh, SuperCloud. I'm going to do that after the break. Offering how annoying. Did you know that 17 out of 20 people stop watching a video because of stalling and rebuffering? Don't let your users click away to a competitor's site. If your business lies in online media, rely on CDN 77 to deliver a seamless online experience to your audience. CDN 77 is one of the leading global providers of content delivery network services. They power the world's most popular websites and apps, such as Udemy, 
ESL gaming, live sports TV, and social media platforms. Aside from their massive and redundant global network, you're going to love their no BS attitude and skilled team of engineers ready to help 24-7. No chatbots, no tickets bouncing around unresolved for days, just people who know your use case and can immediately help you pinpoint and fix the problems. Don't wait until your users run out of patience. Go to cdn77.com slash cloudcast and ask for a free trial with no duration or traffic limits. That's cdn77.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to we're going to kind of dive into this concept of super cloud. And if you listen to the show as on a regular basis, you probably heard Dave Vellante come on one of our uh, January look ahead to 2022 shows. We talked about this concept of super cloud. And, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, it is, it, you know, where Dave's been going with this is, um, and again, he, he's been the first to sort of highlight like the name, the name may be appropriate, the name may be a placeholder. He's not really hung up on the name, but it's this idea of, you know, what happens when when companies, uh, you know, businesses start saying, hey, um, yes, I'm going to use the cloud, um, and maybe it's private and public, but in a lot of cases, it's, it's public cloud. But they look at the cloud and they go, you know, maybe years ago, they originally thought of the cloud as, hey, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extension of my data center, or I'm going to treat it like another data center in terms of, um, you know, in the past, if you went to Rackspace or if you went to some colo provider, Equinix or something like that, you kind of treated them somewhat uh, neutrally, right? You said, yes, I'm going to have a business relationship with that thing that hosts my applications, that runs my servers, that, you know, manages network traffic. But for the most part, it was kind of a neutral thing, right? Like, yes, you had a relationship with them and yes, they may have had a marketing slogan or whatever it might've been, but they weren't a sort of super massive global entity that also had, uh, you know, a bunch of other things tied to that business, right? So if you think about AWS, um, you know, Amazon has a lot of tentacles tied to the the entire Amazon business. It's it's wrapped up in a lot of stuff that's technology, but also you know gets into sort of politics and all sorts of other stuff. If you think about Microsoft, um, you know, Microsoft is probably the most technology-centric, IT-centric of them. And we've talked about this a lot on the show in the past. But, you know, there are still aspects of Microsoft that, you know, may be uh, uncompelling to you. Maybe you look at some of the stuff that happened with SolarWinds or you look at the work that they do. You know, maybe you're not happy with how they they protested stuff with some of these government uh, contracts or whatever, whatever it might be, right? There's, there's more to Microsoft than just sort of like, hey, they're my Windows vendor, right? When they become a cloud, a lot more happens. Same thing with Google, right? Google, uh, obviously, there's Google Cloud, which you know is growing and, and evolving and kind of trying to figure out its place in the world. Uh, but at the same time, then there's Google, and then there's the things that Google does that you know, in some cases, um, you know, maybe you don't love that they they cancel products from time to time. Maybe you are concerned that you know, in other parts of the world, like the EU or other places, like they're facing legal battles over anti you know competitive behavior in search or something like that, right? So it's your relationship with the major cloud providers, um, especially if it's the big three, and maybe it's maybe it's um, uh, uh, you know clouds in various regions of the world or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you look at those and you're like, okay, this is a you know like I have to consider exterior things, ulterior things, like things more than just sort of the neutrality that I used to have with a colo provider. And again that may not worry you. You may not care. You may just go, look, look, as long as they provide great compute services or database services, I really don't care. I don't get into politics. My job is to, you know, help our business do whatever it is. And that's perfectly fine. But there are a set of companies who do have to take that into consideration, right? They may actually 
have to be concerned that maybe someday, let's say you're in the automotive industry or you're in the transportation industry or you're in the retail industry or groceries or something, you go, hmm, one of these folks may end up being a competitor to me on some level. And, and maybe that concerns you, right? So I think early on and, and over time, you know, kind of the, the view of the cloud has, has evolved. It's gone from, you know, hey, it's another place to run my applications. Yes, maybe it has these cool characteristics of agility and uh, pricing on, on a more granular basis or, you know, what seems like infinite scale, all sorts of really powerful, powerful things from a technology perspective. But there's also sometimes there's, there's more to it, as I kind of highlighted and ranted on the last couple of minutes. So I think what comes out of that is you start getting companies who think about, okay, we're going to work with the cloud. And a couple of things have happened, right? In some cases, they are kind of the central IT entity, the, the sort of central technology group within an organization. And they say, hey, you know, the same way that we think about multiple, uh, you know, multiple vendors that we have, that we want to we want to sort of have some neutrality with our vendors, they've thought, hey, maybe I want to have some neutrality with my cloud providers. Okay, that, that's fair. Um, it's a it's a viable thing. It's, it's a little more difficult with the cloud providers because the way they do pricing and so on and so forth, but it's a valid concern. Um, in other cases, we see companies who they'll, they'll say, Hey, look, uh, you know, our central IT group has made uh, certain decisions about how we're going to engage with the cloud, but our, you know, data science group, uh, uses a different cloud. Our other group that builds, does development for this, you know, certain things that we do, they use another cloud and you end up figuring out that like their version of multi-cloud is really kind of departmental or in some cases on an application by application basis. So they really just treat the clouds as just silos like they would have done if you'd gone back 10 years or 15 years and they go, oh, well, that part over there in the data center, that's all our SAP stuff. It runs our, our ERP system. And that stuff over there, uh, that's all our Oracle applications. It manages our, our, you know, like order tracking or how we do, you know, payroll or whatever it is. You know, so, you know, we used to have this concept of sort of siloed stuff within data centers. Now they just sort of extend out to the cloud. And so I think, you know, as I as I think about uh, you know this this concept of super cloud, um, you know, there's a couple of pieces of it that are sort of interesting, right? There's there is again the idea of is this idea of super cloud is it really just sort of a renaming of this abstraction, some sort of abstraction technology that allows me to say, hey, I'd like to as much as possible make the clouds seem as consistent as I possibly can, and you know, there's some technologies that maybe can help with that. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you're doing just something as simple as saying, hey, uh, we run VMware on premises and we're going to take advantage of these like managed VMware services in the cloud. And so to a certain extent, as far as you're concerned, you just see VMware. And so, you know, in theory, you could go, well, we've sort of built a abstracted layer using the exact same technologies to do that. Okay, fine. Um, you may end up saying, well, uh, we'd like to, you know, use sort of a, a, an industry standard, maybe an open standard, and suppose maybe something like VMware to go about doing that. And so we've had, you know, lots of discussions about, hey, is that maybe that open standard is something like Kubernetes, in which you can maybe run, uh, you know, on premises, you can run Kubernetes. In the cloud, you can run Kubernetes. Maybe on premises, you run it yourself. And in the cloud, you use a managed service or of some sort. Like, that's another way of saying, like, hey, to a certain extent, I'm providing an abstraction that uh, for some part of my technology stack could be, you know, consistent. Now, for a while, we've called that sort of stuff like hybrid cloud or multi-cloud. So there's sometimes sometimes some confusion of like, oh, is this super cloud concept? 
Is it just, you know, kind of trying to replace or rename or remarket or rebrand hybrid cloud or multi-cloud because that's become confusing or it's you know, maybe hasn't proven out to be exactly what everybody thought it was going to be, whatever. Uh, maybe, right? But I think the third way to look at this is there are a set of applications, um, a set of services. And this is, this is where I, I think the naming piece kind of does it a disservice in that, you know, just like we had with serverless, you know, so we spent some time when people said, hey, you know, like this concept of serverless is out there, um, you know, and, and there was a set of people who grasped onto the technology and said, oh, this is really powerful. This could be really interesting in how I build my applications, how much less operations I have to do, how it can be really granular in terms of pricing and really the power of it. And then there's, you know, there's still an ongoing set of people who are like, oh, but serverless has servers under the covers and that's a terrible name and blah, 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 blah. So I think to a certain extent that this super cloud naming might be holding back some people and sort of thinking about what this means. The way I look at it, and again, I think the other problem with this is when you when you come out with something that has this, this bold name, like SuperCloud, um, again, people go, well, okay, let's let's break that down. Cloud in our world today tends to be these gigantic entities, uh, you know, an Azure or AWS or a Google Cloud. So you know, the, there's a certain perception of like, oh, this thing's going to be pretty big. And then you throw the word super on there. And, you know, again, just because of the, the adjective itself, it tends to be like, oh, it's not only big, but it's, it's really something, you know, it's, it's something powerful, something important, whatever. And, and I think as I think about it, um, and especially if, as you dig into sort of what some of the examples of this thing are, the examples are really more application layer, right? Or, and I, I don't seem to say application layer. They're services that you can consume as part of an application. And so maybe the first thing, to think about in this sort of super cloud concept is maybe the thing really should be more like super service or super app, right? As opposed to super cloud, because cloud tends to, again, connotate this idea as sort of all-encompassing of compute storage, networking, applications, database, data, blah, blah, blah. So I think there's a certain part of it that like it, it, it probably needs to get narrowed and super might be a fine adjective with it or, or qualifier, but I think it's maybe super service or super application and once once you sort of get to that point, then you can start to have the the thought process of like, well, what does this thing mean? And what I think the the, the you know the, the the thing is the super thing I'll call it super service is this idea of you know something like Snowflake or what MongoDB is doing with Atlas or you know there's a number of examples out there in which it's you know in many cases it's a data service um, you know there's not a whole lot of like uh, application level services, purely application level without the data in the back end, that you'd kind of fit into this this thing. The other the, the application level stuff tends to just be like, yes, it's available all over the place. You don't really have to care where which cloud or where it is, because essentially whether it's like load balancing or DNS or CDN services, they sort of take care of the the things that would be sort of the front end of applications. But on the back end, you know, where you're, you're going, Hey, I want to consume a bunch of data. I want to have a bunch of data. I want to consume a bunch of data. I want to be able to make sure that data is fairly close to the things that want to access it, i.e. clients and applications and so forth. This is where you sort of get into these super services, right? So something like Snowflake or MongoDB Atlas, where there's a whole bunch that, that are in the 3.0 definition of super cloud. And so I think what's really interesting about that is if you think about most people that use the cloud, most businesses that use the cloud, like they still struggle with this idea of, you know, how do I make them multi, 
uh, multi-AZ. I mean, they, they still struggle to make them multi-AZ, and, and, and that's getting somewhat better, right? Um, but to make them multi-region or to make them, you know, multi, you know, data center or whatever the cloud provider calls sort of like different places, that part's hard. And, and that's the stuff that I think is, is sort of interesting to think about because what folks like uh, Snowflake and, and some others have done is they've said, just, um, just give us your data and maybe tell us the cloud that it has to be in. But if you at some point in time decide, hey, I want, I want to expand that into something else. I want to expand that either into another region or into another cloud, or I want to drop one of the clouds because, like I said, you've got some some reason to not want to work with that cloud, be it technical or political or or competitive or whatever it might be. They essentially sort of hide all that complexity for you. And I think that concept in and of itself is really powerful. I think at the at the crux of it, that's probably what this discussion should be, this sort of super service discussion should be, uh, A, it's probably a data-centric service, which, you know, most of the examples are listed are data-centric service. B, I want to be able to start anywhere, and I want to just be able to say, like, oh, yeah, add something else to it without re- me really having to worry about how do you do that? Um, nothing changes for me. I don't have to write to a new API. I don't have to think about data movement. Um, maybe my applications don't even have to think about data movement. They still maybe point to the same DNS record or the same API or whatever it might be. That I think is really powerful um, because I think, you know, if we think about sort of computing in the way that we have this taxonomy of computing, you know, we have things like, well, you know, it's a computing resource uh, and we think of it as like sort of an IaaS sort of resource where you go, uh, it's the application and, you know, and the, the computing underneath it and, and you sort of take care of the application. And then we get into things like, Oh, it's it's more of a PaaS service, right? It's a you know you you write the application and a whole bunch of stuff under the covers taken care of before you, or it's a SaaS service where you just go like I just consume the application. I think you know I, I think this sort of super service could fit into that sort of uh, as a service dichotomy um, if we were to think about it as, as a it's probably a data service and b it's something that you know the the architecture the concept of how you start somewhere add stuff remove stuff doesn't ever really change your perspective from an application perspective or even an admin perspective on how to manage that thing, how to interact with that thing. And I think that's that's the interesting thing. That's the thing I think if you really boiled it down and said like, hey, what would I like to learn from somebody like a Snowflake or a, or a uh, MongoDB Atlas or any of the other examples is like, how are you doing that? Because I think in general, most companies... A, can't figure that out. Um, they don't have enough time and resources to think about it because it's not really their core business. Whereas, you know, some of these services are their core businesses and how to do that is, 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 is interesting. But I think of it the same way that, you know, like years ago when it was, whether it's Adrian Cockroft or the Netflix engineering team or whatever was saying like, hey, we introduced this concept of like chaos, you know, chaos into what we do, like uh, like organized chaos, which is now, as we talked about a week or two ago, like chaos engineering or any of these sort of things, like they, they talked about how they did it. And again, not everybody can adopt that and not everybody necessarily can afford to sort of be doing that. Um, in some cases, maybe you'd argue you can't afford not to do it, but um, you know, to have the skill set, to have the tooling, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But I think, you know, seeing that evolve the same way that we've seen, you know, PaaS and SaaS and um, serverless and how it works and debating the technical nuances and, you know, is, is one implementation of it better than another? I think there's an opportunity in this sort of super service 
concept to have discussions about that. Because I think if you're a corporation and you are a, you know, multi-region corporation, you are, a, you know, you're a business that has to be concerned about, you know, how, what your relationship with the cloud provider is going to be, or, um, you know, you think about maybe geopolitical things and you go like, okay, well, I have certain things in certain places of the world, but certain places of the world have more volatility than other places of the world. Or, or just, you just say, well, look, you know, forget about sort of pre-thinking about where you might have more challenges than others go. Challenges are just going to happen, right? Like you think about the world in terms of chaos engineering, which, you know, we tend to do it from an IT perspective. We go like, oh, if a backhoe takes out a, you know, takes out a, you know, a, a fiber thing, like what if we lose a data center? Well, you know, what if you lose a data center, but not for like a few hours or a few days, but like forever, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of value in thinking about and better understanding how some of these things are done. Because I think we're going to see more and more companies who say like, I like the concept of what, you know, Mongo or Snowflake or, or whatever. And I apologize. I should, I should have looked up all the other ones. So I apologize for keep coming back to the same examples. There's, there's a dozen or so that, that Dave highlights in there. But I think you're going to see more and more people going like, hey, why aren't more services like that? Why aren't, and, and they could be data services. They could be some other types of services. It could be event-based stuff, but data services is probably the most common one. Um, that I think is probably the most interesting discussion. I think this discussion of like, is the name right or not? It doesn't interest me. And maybe, you know, maybe Dave will listen to this and go, Oh, really? I should, I should adjust the name. Um, cause I, I don't think he's hung up on it from a marketing perspective. I think he's just trying to convey a concept, but I think the more I think about the concept, I think if you could kind of narrow the name and sort of think of it in terms of like, it's not this super, you know, it's the new PaaS plus IaaS plus SaaS plus abstraction layer. And really think of it as like, it's a t- certain kind of service that appeals to a set of customers who have distinct problems that are well-known. Like, how do those things work? And are these things that our industry should better understand in terms of how to architect something? Um, you know, and and could people architect it? Sure. But having more people that have actually done it talking about it, I think would be, would be really, really interesting. Again, it's, it's not always about like, Hey, can enough people learn this stuff? It's like, Hey, as an industry or as a collaborative or as a community, can you help accelerate learning curves? That's the part that, that becomes valuable in our industry. Not can everybody start from scratch or could everybody write a book about it? It's, you know, can you, can you collectively help the next you know, person six months later, a year later, two years later, learn from your mistakes, learn from what you learned, think of, help them think about like, okay, if you're starting now, even though somebody else started five years ago, what, you know, what can you, what can you build from what sort of, um, you know, how can you stand on the shoulder of of the previous giants of that? So anyways, um, you know, as, as I've been thinking about this thing, I think if, if you're reading this stuff and you're hung up on the name or whatever, fine, so be it. There's still people that get hung up that, that you know, the, the VM and VMware is capitalized wrong or that on-premise versus on-premises is a, you know, they want to become the the grammar police or whatever it is. So be it. If that's, if that's your thing, so be it. But I do think there is something here uh, in that we're not just talking about made up stuff, right? We're not talking about like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. There was, there was a thing back in the old VMware days where we would talk about vMotion and then there was like long distance vMotion and people would talk about examples of like, you know, you're going to, you're going to move your application around the world and follow the sun and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, nah, that never really panned out. But if you did have a thing where it was like, we have a pretty universal way to, you know, look at data and think about data and be able to deal with it um, on a global basis, that's a pretty interesting problem to solve. And if it now becomes just a service 
that becomes an in, even more interesting thing as part of your toolbox. I think that's kind of where we are. Um, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're following that, that discussion at all, um, you know, I would, I would sort of posture this alternative framing. Um, you know, I think there is a lot to be figured out there. If you can, if you can find a way to get yourself past the naming of it or the hang up of maybe exactly how it's framed right now. Um, I think it's a space that will evolve, but I think it's a space that, you know, just like, you know, a lot of people learn from the different ways that people like Netflix, you know, early on built chaos engineering or built, um, you know, the Netflix OSS thing, which eventually kind of was part of spring and is kind of still part of spring or, you know, one learned from the other. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that can come out of, come out of that. So anyways, just my two cents, um, something to think about maybe if you're going to KubeCon or just, you know, if, uh, you know, if this sort of space is interesting to you, I'd love to get some feedback or more importantly, you know, if you're listening to this and you go like, oh, well, I didn't know this was this discussion going on, um, give Dave some feedback because it is something that he, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to capture because it is a thing, but I think he's, you know, he's trying to figure out like, how do I represent this? Because it is something different than the normal sort of layers that we talk about, but you know, what that layer should be or what that naming should be is still a little bit up in the air. So anyways, hope everybody's doing well. Hope you've had a good Sunday or a good week or staying healthy and safe and getting ready for holiday season and uh, maybe spending some time with your family or going to trade shows, whatever it might be, whatever you've got coming up here in sort of the fourth quarter of the year. Unbelievable how fast the year has gone by. But anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, please go out to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, give us a ranking, give us a rating, give us five stars. If you like the show, we'd love it. Um, give us some feedback. That'd be awesome too. But thanks again for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show, helping us grow the community and um, sending us your feedback on what you want to hear next. So with that, I'll wrap it up and talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.